This Good Friday liturgy, which we have gathered for, reminds us of the events of our Saviour's arrest, his passion and death at Jerusalem. In the Good Friday liturgy, we listen to the prophecy of Isaiah, which tells of the Messiah who will suffer. We listen also to the New Testament letter to the Hebrews, which speaks of the meaning both of that suffering and his sacrifice for our salvation. Finally, we will listen to the Passion of Christ from St. John's Gospel. The events of that first Good Friday come alive in our church today. A traditional practice of Good Friday is to both venerate and kiss the cross. Our Lord was betrayed by a kiss, but our kiss is not that of a betrayer, but of the people who wish to love him and follow him in their lives, even to taking up our own cross each day. Nowhere in the church on Good Friday is Mass celebrated, but we can come forward to receive communion from hosts consecrated at the Mass of the Last Supper yesterday evening. Today we come to this Good Friday liturgy not as idle spectators, but as people who wish to venerate the Passion and the cross of Christ. Please stand. Please kneel. Let us pray. O God, who by the passion of Christ your Son, our Lord, abolished the death inherited from ancient sin, 
by every succeeding generation. Grant that just as being conformed to him, we are born by the law of nature, the image of man of the earth, so by sanctification of grace, we may bear the image of the man of heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Please be seated. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. See, my servant will prosper. He shall be lifted up, exalted, rise to great heights. As the crowds were appalled in seeing him, so disfigured did he look, that he seemed no longer human. So will the crowds be astonished at him, and kings stand speechless before him, for they shall see something never told and witness something never heard before. Who could believe what we have heard, and to whom has the power of the Lord been revealed? Like a sapling, he grew up in front of us, like a root in arid ground. Without beauty, without majesty, we saw him. No looks to attract our eyes, a thing despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, a man to make people screen their faces. He was despised and we took no account of him. And yet ours were the sufferings he bore, ours the sorrows he carried. But we, we thought of him as someone punished, struck by God and brought low. Yet he was pierced through for our faults, crushed for our sins. On him lies a punishment that brings us peace, and through his wounds we are healed. We had all gone astray like sheep, each taking his own way, and the Lord burdened him with the sins of all of us. Harshly dealt with, he bore it humbly. He never opened his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughterhouse, like a sheep that is dumb, before its shearers, never opening its mouth. By force and by law he was taken. Would anyone plead his cause? Yes, he was torn away from the land of the living, for our faults struck down in death. They gave him a grave with the wicked, a tomb with the rich, though he had done no wrong, and there had been no perjury in his mouth. The Lord has been pleased to crush him with suffering. If he offers his life in atonement, he shall see his heirs. He shall have a long life, and through him what the Lord wishes will be done. His soul's anguish over, he shall see the light and be content. By his sufferings shall my servant justify many, taking their faults on himself. Hence I will grant whole hordes for his tribute. He shall divide the spoil with the mighty for surrendering himself to death and letting himself be taken for a sinner. While he was bearing the faults of many and praying all the time for sinners. The word of the Lord. Father, 
Into your hands I commend my spirit. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, set me free. Into your hands I commend my spirit. It is you who will redeem me, Lord. In the face of all my foes, I am a reproach, an object of scorn to my neighbours and a and of fear to my friends. Those who see me in the street run far away from me. I am like a dead man, forgotten in men's hearts, like a thing thrown away. But as for me, I trust in you, Lord. I say, You are my God. My life is in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of those who hate me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your love. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. All who hope in the Lord. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Since in Jesus, the Son of God, we have the supreme high priest who has gone through to the highest heaven, we must never let go of the faith that we have professed. For it is not as if we had a high priest who was incapable of feeling our weaknesses with us, but we have one who has been tempted in every way that we are though he is without sin. Let us be confident then in approaching the throne of grace that we shall have mercy from him and find grace when we are in need of help. During his life on earth, he offered up prayer and entreaty, aloud and in silent tears, to the one who had the power to save him out of death and he submitted so humbly that his prayer was heard. Although he was son, he learnt to obey through suffering. But having been made perfect, he became for all who obey him the source of eternal salvation. The word of the Lord. Christ was humbler yet, even to accepting death, death on a cross. But God raised him high and gave him the name which is above all names.
The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to John. Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kedron Valley. There was a garden there, and he went into it with his disciples. Judas the traitor knew the place well, since Jesus had often met his disciples there, and he brought the cohort to this place, together with a detachment of guards sent by the chief priests and the Pharisees, all with lanterns and torches and weapons. Knowing everything that was going to happen to him, Jesus then came forward and said, Who are you looking for? They answered, Jesus the Nazarene. He said, I am he. Now Judas the traitor was standing among them. When Jesus said, I am he, they moved back and fell to the ground. He asked them a second time, Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus replied, I have told you that I am he. If I am the one you are looking for, let these others go. This was to fulfil the words he had spoken. Not one of those you gave me have I lost. Simon Peter, who carried a sword, drew it and wounded the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back in the scabbard. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? The cohort and its captain and the Jewish guards seized Jesus and bound him. They took him first to Annas, because Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had suggested to the Jews, it is better for one man to die for the people. Simon Peter, who with another disciple, followed Jesus. This disciple, who was known to the high priest, went with Jesus into the high priest's palace, but Peter stayed outside the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who was keeping the door, and brought Peter in. The maid on duty at the door said to Peter, Aren't you another of that man's disciples? He answered, I am not. Now it was cold, and the servants and guards had lit a charcoal fire, and was standing there warming themselves. So Peter stood there too, warming himself with the others. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly for all the world to hear. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews meet together. I have said nothing in secret. But why ask me? Ask my hearers what I taught. They know what I said. At these words, one of the guards standing by gave Jesus a slap in the face, saying, Is that the way to answer the high priest? Jesus replied, If there is something wrong in what I said, point it out. But if there is no offence in it, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him, still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. As Simon Peter stood there warming himself, someone said to him, Aren't you another of his disciples? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relation of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and at once a cock crew. They then led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was now morning. They did not go into the praetorium themselves, or they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came outside to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They replied, If he were not a criminal, we should not be handing him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and try him by your own law. 
The Jews answered, We are not allowed to put a man to death. This was to fulfil the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the way he was going to die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and called Jesus to him and asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, Do you ask this of your own accord, or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? It is your own people and the chief priests who have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, Mine is not a kingdom of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my men would have fought to prevent my being surrendered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this kind. Pilate said, So you're a king then? Jesus answered, It's you who say it. Yes, I am a king. I was born for this. I came into the world for this, to bear witness to the truth. And all who are on the side of truth, listen to my voice. Pilate said, Truth? What is that? And with that, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no case against him, but according to a custom of yours, I should release one prisoner at the Passover. Would you like me then to release the king of the Jews? At this they shouted, Not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a brigand. Pilate then had Jesus taken away and scourged, and after this the soldiers twisted some thorns into a crown and put it on his head and dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Look, I am going to bring him out to you to let you see that I find no case. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said, Here is the man. When they saw him, the chief priests and the guards shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I can find no case against him. The Jews replied, We have a law, and according to the law he ought to die, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard them say this, his fears increased. Re-entering the praetorium, he said to Jesus, Where do you come from? But Jesus made no answer. Pilate then said to him, Are you refusing to speak to me? Surely you know I have the power to release you, and I have the power to crucify you. Jesus replied, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. That is why the one who handed me over to you has the greater guilt. From that moment, Pilate was anxious to set him free, but the Jews shouted, If you set him free, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who makes himself a king is defying Caesar. Hearing these words, Pilate had Jesus brought out and seated himself on the chair of judgment at a place called the pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was Passover preparation day, about the sixth hour. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. They said, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said, Do you want me to crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king except Caesar. So in the end, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. They then took charge of Jesus, and carrying his own cross, he went out of the city to the place of the skull, or as it was called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him with two others, one on either side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate wrote out a notice and had it fixed to the cross. It ran, Jesus the Nazarene, King of the Jews. This notice was read by many of the Jews because the place where Jesus was crucified was not far from the city, and the writing was in Hebrew, Latin and Greek. So the Jewish chief priest said to Pilate, You should not write, King of the Jews, But this man said, I am king of the Jews. 
Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had finished crucifying Jesus, they took his clothing and divided it into four shares, one for each soldier. His undergarment was seamless, woven in one piece from neck to hem. So they said to one another, Instead of tearing it, let's throw dice to decide who is to have it. In this way, the words of scripture were fulfilled. They shared out my clothing among them. They cast lots for my clothes. This is exactly what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdala. Seeing his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her, Jesus said to his mother, Woman, this is your son. Then to the disciple he said, This is your mother. And from that moment, the disciple made a place for her in his home. After that, Jesus knew that everything had now been completed. And to fulfill the scripture perfectly, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of vinegar stood there. So putting a sponge soaked in vinegar on a hyssop stick, they held it up to his mouth. After Jesus had taken the vinegar, he said, It is accomplished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It was preparation day, and to prevent the bodies remaining on the cross during the Sabbath, since the Sabbath was a day of special solemnity, the Jews asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken away. Consequently, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with him, and then of the other. When they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead, and so instead of breaking his legs, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a lance. And immediately there came out blood and water. This is the evidence of one who saw it. Trustworthy evidence. And he knows he speaks the truth. And he gives it so that you may believe as well. Because all this happened to fulfill the words of scripture. Not one bone of his will be broken. And again in another place scripture says. They will look on the one whom they have pierced. After this Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one, because he was afraid of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him remove the body of Jesus. Pilate gave permission, so they came and took it away. Nicodemus came as well, the same one who had first come to Jesus at night time. And he brought a mixture of myrrh and olives, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths following the Jewish burial custom. At the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in this garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been buried. Since it was the Jewish day of preparation, and the tomb was near at hand, they laid Jesus there. be seated.
you might have noticed in the reports of the recent fire at Notre Dame Cathedral that one of the relics that was saved was the crown of thorns that Jesus wore at his passion. The existence of this relic is first spoken about by someone called St. Paulinus in the year 409. He apparently saw it in a basilica in Jerusalem. It was later transferred to another basilica in Jerusalem and then taken to Constantinople by the Byzantine emperors. But believe it or not, one of the emperors used it as a security for a debt to his Venetian bankers. It was then that the King of France, Louis IX, bought it off these same bankers when the emperor defaulted on his debt. And on the 10th of August, 1239, Louis brought it to Notre Dame Cathedral, and it's been there ever since. Before the fire that took place a few days ago, this same relic was shown and venerated every first Friday of the month, every Friday during Lent, and every Good Friday. It is a circle of canes, braided and held by golden threads, The thorns are attached attached to the braided circle and that measures about eight and a half inches in diameter. The history of relics isn't good. There are more frauds than there are authentic ones. Fanciful relics that just couldn't be. It's difficult to imagine that the crown of thorns could have survived and the other things associated with Christ's passion could have survived too. Pieces of the cross, nails, robes that he wore. Remember that Jesus himself dies an empty death, and few people would have been around to pick up the pieces. Relics themselves belong to a different age, and of course they had a powerful effect on people. They had a belief in bones and arms and heads and bodies of saints that became so important. Great churches were built over these relics. Towns evolved around about them and even those towns that became our major cities today. People liked to be close to those relics as if there was something spiritual in being close to them, heavenly and transcendent something that had the power of God to change their lives. There was a great desire then to connect, especially in previous centuries, with these relics. Today that same desire brings us here to this church. We have come to connect ourselves with the passion and death of Christ. To listen once again to the account of how Christ came to be betrayed and to be put to death. In a strange way, we are not too different from those people who longed to see relics, who peered at them with great faith, who felt themselves connected with God in those moments. On this Good Friday, we ourselves wish to connect ourselves with Christ's passion. We wish to hear again that story of how things came to pass, We want to touch and kiss that cross. We want to mourn over him 
as the women of Jerusalem mourned over him. And we find ourselves in this church kind of transported, carried away to Jerusalem in our mind's eye. In former times, those people who came to see relics associated Christ's passion uh, eh, with those relics and believed that graces and blessings would come with them. A singular blessing for them always was an increase in faith, not just a great desire to believe that came from seeing these relics, but rather somehow a gift entered into the soul that God himself granted. Today, we will not go away empty-handed from this church. We don't go away with nothing to show for being here. For that same grace enters into our soul. That desire to believe, that desire to follow Jesus, that desire to love the crucified Christ. We will not go away empty-handed from this church today. For many of us, we don't need relics. We don't need a crown of thorns or nails or piece of cloth or bits of the cross. Those things don't ultimately mean much to us. We don't need a relic of the crown of thorns or nails that was said to be in his hands or a robe that he was supposed to have worn or a lance that ran him through or a veil that touched his face. But the words that we hear today To be here at Good Friday, to kiss the cross, means everything to us. And we believe also, with those countless generations of Christians, that he truly died for us on the cross, that we might have life. Please stand. Let us pray, dearly beloved, for the Holy Church of God, that our God and Lord be pleased to give her peace, to guard her and to unite her throughout the whole world, and grant that, leading our life in tranquility and quiet, we may glorify God, the Father Almighty. Almighty ever-living God, who in Christ revealed your glory to the nations. Watch over the works of your mercy, that your church spread throughout all the world may persevere with steadfast faith in confessing your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for our most holy Father, Pope Francis, that our God and Lord, who chose him from the order of bishops, may keep him safe and unharmed for the Lord's holy church to govern the holy people of God. Almighty ever-living God, by whose decree all things are founded, look with favour in our prayers, and in your kindness protect the Pope chosen for us, 
that under him the Christian people, governed by their maker, may grow in merit by reason of their faith. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for our Bishop Joseph, for all bishops, priests, and deacons of the church, and for the whole of the faithful people. Almighty ever-living God, by whose spirit the whole body of the church is sanctified and governed, hear our humble prayer for your ministers, that by the gift of your grace all may serve you faithfully, through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for our catechumen, that our God and Lord may open wide the ears of their inmost hearts and unlock the gates of his mercy, that having received forgiveness for all of their sins through the waters of rebirth, they too may be one with Christ Jesus our Lord. Almighty ever-living God, who make your church ever fruitful with new offspring, increase our faith and understanding of all of the catechumens, that reborn in the font of baptism, they may be added to the number of your adopted children, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for all our brothers and sisters who believe in Christ, that our God and Lord may be pleased, as they live the truth, to gather them together and keep them in his one church. Almighty ever-living God, who gather what is scattered and keep together what you have gathered, look kindly in the flock of your Son, that those whom one baptism has consecrated may be joined together by integrity of faith and united in the bonds of charity. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for the Jewish people, to whom the Lord our God spoke first, that he may grant them to advance in love of his name and in faithfulness to his covenant. Almighty ever-living God, who bestowed your promises on Abraham and his descendants, graciously hear the prayers of your church, that the people you first made your own may attain the fullness of redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for those who do not believe in Christ, that enlightened by the Holy Spirit, they too may enter on the way of salvation. Almighty ever-living God, grant to those who do not confess Christ that by walking before you with a sincere heart, they may find the truth, and that we ourselves, being constant in mutual love and striving to understand more fully the mystery of your love, may be be made more perfect witnesses to your love in this world. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for those who do not acknowledge God, that following what is right in sincerity of heart, they may find the way to God himself. Almighty ever-living God, who created all people to seek you always by desiring you and by finding you come to rest, grant, we pray, that despite every harmful obstacle, all may recognise the signs of your fatherly love and the witness of the good works done by those who believe in you, and so in gladness confess you, the one true God and Father of our human race. 
through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for those in public office, that our God and Lord may direct their minds and hearts according to his will for the true peace and freedom of all. Almighty ever-living God, in whose hand lie every human heart and the rights of people, look with favour, we pray, on those who govern with authority over us, that throughout the whole world the prosperity of peoples, the assurance of peace and freedom of religion may, through your gift, be made secure. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray, dearly beloved, to God the Father Almighty, that he may cleanse the world of all errors, banish disease, drive out hunger, unlock prisons, loosen fetters, granting to travellers safety, to pilgrims return, health to the sick, and salvation to the dying. Almighty ever-living God, comfort of mourners, strength of all who toil, may the prayers of those who cry out in any tribulation come before you, that all may rejoice, because in their hour of need your mercy was at hand. Through Christ our Lord. Please be seated. In a short moment, the celebrant will enter with a bare cross, symbolizing the cross of Christ. On three occasions, he will sing, Behold, behold, the wood of the cross on which is hung our salvation. On three occasions, we will sing, O come, let us adore him. After singing each of these responses, we will kneel in silence. After the third response, we will come forward to venerate the cross. In that moment, just as at communion, we unite ourselves with Christ himself in his great act by which he saved the world. The collection on Good Friday is taken up for the support of the holy places and the shrines associated with the Saviour in the Holy Land.
please join in singing our hymns, the first of which is hymn number 731, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, number 731. Hymn number 870, Jesus Remember Me, number 870.
hymn number 286, God Forgave My Sin, number 286.
Communion may be received today, although no Mass is celebrated. The hosts have been consecrated at the Mass of the Lord's Supper yesterday evening. In Holy Communion, we are united with the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. To receive communion is to be united with this great act of God's love and mercy, this great act by which God saves the world. Please kneel. Please stand. We pray together in the word of Jesus, our Saviour, has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it is not in temptation, but to our Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. May the receiving of your body and blood, Lord Jesus Christ, not bring me to judgment and condemnation, but through your loving mercy be for me protection in mind and body and a healing remedy. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those 
called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter into my Please join in singing Soul of My Saviour, hymn number 628. number 139 as bread my lord comes to me number 139 
Let us pray. Almighty ever living God, who have restored us to life by the blessed death and resurrection of your Christ, preserve in us the work of your mercy, that by sharing in this mystery we may have a life unceasingly devoted to you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I ask you at the end of our Good Friday liturgy to uh, leave the church in complete silence out of respect of what we have celebrated today. May abundant blessings, O Lord, we pray, descend upon your people who have honoured the death of your Son in the hope of their, their resurrection. May pardon come, comfort be given, holy faith increase, and everlasting redemption be made secure. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.